back everybody. I know I'm getting this video out a little late. <laughs> I've been out of town, but I just want to say thank you so much for all of those who reached out in love and support to me for the events of last week. Thank you so much, you guys. Just buoyed me up and lifted me. So this week, even though we're getting out late, better late than never, we are going to cover 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Jude. And we, you guys, there's three main themes I really want to cover today in 1st John that, I mean, there's more than three themes altogether, but there's three that I really want to cover. So we're first going to talk about his testimony. Then we're going to talk about keeping his commandments, love, and sin. Those are three um, themes that I just feel like we just have to talk about because they're so good. And then we're going to talk about apostasy, which is talked about both in the Johns and then again in Jude. So we're going to just run through. We've got so much, so I'm going to try really hard to just kind of go, you know, move. Um, in this corner, I'm going to try and put the scriptures. So if you don't have time to watch the whole video, just go from segment to segment and gather the scriptures and do your own study. Um, we're going to just grab your scriptures and your pen or pencil or your red pencil, whatever you need. Oh, my paper dropped. Woo! Okay. Um, so that you can go through this with us, you guys, because this is just so awesome the way that he does this. Um, or if, like you said, if you don't have time, just run through, scroll through to the next topic, grab the scriptures, go to the next topic, grab the scriptures, you'll find it all up in the corner. Okay, so starting with his testimony, um, he has such a beautiful testimony, you guys, because he testifies that he saw and heard Jesus Christ and that he felt him. And I'm sure he touched the nail prints in his hands and his feet. You guys, when you guys think about, when people think about our Savior Jesus Christ, they always think about the nail prints in his hands and his feet. And it's interesting how even children do this. Um, on the Spiritual Crusade Instagram, several weeks ago, I don't remember how long ago, I did a, I did a video, a little devotional video where my children drew pictures of, you know, um, them reaching up to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's hand reaching down to them. And even my four-year-old, who didn't know how to draw a hand, didn't know how to, I mean, doesn't know how to draw a period, he drew Christ's hand, and the way that he made, he differentiated Christ's hand from his hand is he made the mark in the middle. And even though his hand looked like a circle with little lines coming out, I mean, it's a four-year-old's drawing, I love how even children can recognize that the nail print in his hand signifies that it's Christ's hand. Isn't that so beautiful? Um, and here he's going to testify that he knew him, he heard him, he saw him, and he felt his hand. So let's read his testimony. We're just going to read 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. He's going to continue on this testimony 2, 3, and 4. And at and 4, I just I have to read 4 because it just makes me so happy. He says, and these things and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So here he testifies. He says, I heard him. We have seen him, um, looked upon him, and our hands have handled. Like they knew him and they're testifying. He is the Savior. He is our Savior. This isn't just something we've heard about. Like we know him. Um, and we're going to write these things that you might have joy. Um, he continues on with his testimony in chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. So beautiful. It says, We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. I love how he just says, We have seen and do testify that the Father sent him to be our Savior. 
we're going to talk a little bit today about him as our savior and how he cleanses our sin. Um, and then again, the, I just, the last testimony we're going to share today, or his, um, the, the last verse for his testimony is chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, that is the true God and eternal life. When you read these words, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just filled, just just filled with joy and happiness. They're so powerful. I love how powerful is he, he is. I've seen him. I know he is the Savior of the world. So good, you guys. All right, I want to start with keeping his commandments. We are going to break this up into two sections. We're going to have the, the side that is his chastising words and then his teaching words. And we're going to do this with each of these three um, themes because he gives these verses he has these verses in here that just leaves you feeling really chastised I don't know about you guys but I went through and like I separated them in my I have a different color for all the chastising verses and a different color for all the teaching ones so anyway um, we're not now there's more chastising verses and teaching verses than we're highlighting today so you have to do your own study to really figure them all out but we're just going to run through this so starting with commandments we're going to go to first John 2 4 and here's the chastisement verse. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So see how what I mean by like, this, it's like, woo! It's really that like, you know, oh, that hit me right to the heart. Okay, so um, if you keep not his word, so, but whoso keepeth his word in him, oh no, where are we? Where are we? We're in four, I'm sorry. So he says, Keepeth not his commandments is a liar. So those of us who keepeth not his commandments is a liar. Now let's talk about the teaching side, okay? I, I jumped there for a second. We're going to go to right above and right below the chastising verse he teaches us. So right above in verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. We know him. You can know him. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Can't you guys feel like the like? It's like, okay, yeah, that would hurt my heart. So <laughs> if you keep not his commandments, he says, you're a liar, and the truth is not with you. So that's the chastisement. Now let's learn. Let's be taught. The verse before and the verses after are going to teach us about his commandments. So we're going to go up to verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him... If we keep his commandments, you want to know the Savior better? Keep his commandments. And then verses 5 and 6. But whoso keepeth his word, also his commandments, um, in him, keepeth his words, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So I'm going to try that again. But whoso keepeth his word, or keepeth his commandments, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. The love of God is perfected in you as you keep his commandments. Oh, we are going to talk so much about love today, you guys. Love is so big in John. He talks so much about love. So the love of God is perfected in you as you keep his commandments. Now, I love this next verse, verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. How did our Savior walk? He walked in love. He was constantly loving and serving. And if we want to walk as our Savior walked, or if we want to be like our Savior, we want to abide in Him and know Him better, walk as He walked, walk in love. And how is love perfected in us? 
and keeping his commandments. Now let's jump over to one more thing we're going to be taught about keeping his commandments. It's in um, chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. We're going to be taught here um, one of the blessings of keeping his commandments. So let's start in 22. And whosoever we ask, Oh, no. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because, highlight that word, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So why is it that we can ask and and receive? Because we keep his commandments. 23. And this is his commandment. Now he's going to teach us what is his commandment that he wants us to follow. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So we're going to talk about these two commandments, this idea of faith on our, on Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and this idea of loving one another. So, you know, and what are the first two great commandments? Love God and love thy neighbor. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. And this idea that we can ask and receive because we keep his commandments is repeated again in chapter 5 verses 14 and 15. I know I need you guys to really highlight the word because because it's because we're keeping his commandments and what are his commandments? Love God, love our Savior Jesus Christ, have faith in Jesus Christ and love our brother and love mankind, love others. So um, because of these two things we're going to learn about, for, we're going to talk about 14 and 15 and this is the confidence once again following this idea of having faith in Jesus Christ and keeping his commandments. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. You guys, I don't know if any of you are as excited about those verses as I am, but it's just so exciting. Here he is just promising us that if we keep his commandments, his commandments and that faith in, to have that faith in Jesus Christ and to love God and love, you know, love mankind. If we have those, if we keep those commandments, we have this confidence that we can ask and the Lord will hear our petition. Isn't that so beautiful? Woo, I love it. Okay, let's talk about love because this idea of love is so big with John. In fact, in the chap in chapter four, you guys will have to tell me if I, in the box. In the comments below if I have this wrong, but I counted the word love 27 times in chapter four alone. And the love in the form of love, it, like some of us loved or loveth, but the form of love is there 27 times in chapter four. So let me know below if you got if you have a different number than me, but you guys, I was like, this is awesome. There's so much about love. So let's start with the chastising scriptures and then move on to the teaching scriptures, okay? Because that's kind of the way that I broke up, broke it up in my head, broke up John. Okay, we're going to start in um, chapter 2, verses 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until, nine, until now. The same concept, the same idea is repeated in 11. So you guys can go check it out in 11. Now, darkness and light, he uses this idea of darkness and light a lot. And he's kind of separating the two. Light and darkness cannot coexist. If you're in a dark room, and this is a good activity to do with kids, actually, you guys. If you're in a dark room, it's dark. If you turn on the light, the light casteth out the darkness. The room becomes light. So, same with hate and love. They can't coexist. So, speaking with our children, um, and here he says, you know, love, hateth his brother. But let's talk about 
who are our brother? In God's eyes, all, all everyone is our brother and sister. So when talking with our children, if we're having a lot of anger against somebody or holding a grudge, like hate and love can't coexist. So find ways to love them, find ways to serve them, find ways to pray for them. Like whatever that looks like, they cannot coexist. So we need to replace that hatred, that anger, that resentment, that grudge with love somehow. Serving is always good. Serving works, guys. Um, but if none else, just pray for them. So they can't coexist. So that's the first chastising verse. We're going to, and then, oh wait, but before we leave that, let's teach, he teaches us right in between those two. So nine and 10 are the ones we just read. We didn't, no, nine and 11. We didn't read 11, but it's kind of the same thing. So 10 in the middle. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. You guys, this analogy of the light is really beautiful because you can stumble in a dark room. You don't know where things are. You turn on the light and you don't stumble as much. So we walk in the light when we love, okay? So good to teach to our children. And then let's move on to the next one. Chapter three, verses 17. And he also talks, He there's so many verses we're not getting to. We're just gonna focus on just what we can in the time. But in 17, he says, but whoso hath this world's good, now I'm talking about like, um, has extra, okay, to spare. And seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? That's a question mark. If you have extra, if you have an abundance of the world's, you know, what does he call it? World's good. And you have, you see someone that has need, and you just hold your compassion. You say, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to help. I love the question mark here. How dwelleth the love of God in you? Where is the love of God in you? If you can't give, if you can't love and reach out, right? Okay, now let's be taught both above it and below it. 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now the first part, hereby perceive we the love of God you could just reword that. How do we know God loves us? How do we perceive God's love? And then he's going to say it. Because he laid down his life for us. Okay, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We definitely know he loved us. And um, then he goes on to say, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, for most of us, this doesn't look like literally laying down our lives. But what can we offer? What can we offer? What can we sacrifice? Can we sacrifice our time and serve? What about even just sacrifice our, you know, like our time to pray? Can we just pray for them? What can we offer? What can we sacrifice? Does he lay down his life for us? And most of us won't be asked to lay down our lives for others, but what can we lay down? What can we offer? Okay, so that's the question for that one. And then, and then 18, let's go below it. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You guys, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this one. I'm, there's so many things that I have like great desires to do. Like I had this great desire to make cookies every Sunday and then to get together with my children and to talk about who to serve. Like, who do you guys want to take our cookies to today? Like I have all these desires in word and in tongue, but sometimes the deed is a little bit harder. <laughs> sometimes actually making it happens a little bit harder. But here he's telling us, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So let's actually love. Let's actually reach out and serve. Let's actually do the things that we say we're going to do. Okay. And I will repent and work on it. Um, all right. Now let's move on to 
um, for chapter four, verses 20. Sorry, I'm all over the place. All right, chapter four, verses 20. We're gonna start with the chastising verse again. And if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Isn't that good? But doesn't that just kind of like, I call them chastising scriptures for a reason because they just kind of make you feel like, they make you stop and really think, you know? Like, if I can't love my brothers and sisters whom I see, who are around me and with me, how am I going to love him who I have not seen, right? Um, and I don't know, sometimes I think it's actually easier <laughs> to love when you haven't seen. I don't know, for me, um, I don't know, some of my friendships, some of my long distance friendships are like solid gold because <laughs> we never see each other. So they're really good. I have no occasion to offend them or them I. So sometimes I do find it easier sometimes than the ones that we're around all the time that we have lots of occasions to offend. But I love how he, how he, he is saying that we need to love them that we see. We need to love those that are around us. Reach out and love them. Okay, let's go over to the teaching verses in chapter four, seven through nine. Um, we're not gonna read all of these just due to time, but seven and eight talks about how God is love. Now remember chapter four, he mentions love 27 times. So this idea of love is really taught in this chapter. So if you wanna understand love, just highlight the whole chapter. No, not really, but study it. So seven and eight, he's really gonna emphasize this idea that God is love. And then nine, he's going to give us another perfect example. Who is the perfect example? Let's read that one. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That is the perfect example of love. He's given us the perfect example of love. So God is love. And I love how we learned that when we keep his commandments, the love of God is perfected in us, right? So everything's kind of like coming together here. Um, for chapter four, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Now I know it's only the first half of the verse, but it's the most powerful part to me because of that idea of light and darkness and how they don't coexist. Neither does fear and love coexist. Same with the hate and love don't coexist. So once again, when teaching our children, help them understand if there's hate, how do we replace it with love? If there's fear, how do we replace it with love? If there's a dark room, how do we fill it with light? We turn on the light, right? So how do we turn on the love? How do we find more love? How do we give more love or pray for love? And sometimes it just takes praying for. I, there have been so many occasions in my life where I have just prayed and prayed and prayed. And sometimes it takes a long time, especially in the healing process of forgiving a grudge or something. It takes a long time sometimes to just pray and pray and pray for charity for that person, to pray for understanding, to pray for love you know, and then pray for that person. So sometimes it's a process, but we need to love. Um, and then 19, we love him because he first loved us. And isn't that true with our children? They love us because we love them. And we love them a lot. Our love for them is like huge, right? Our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ, their love is even greater than ours. It's We can't even comprehend it. But we love them because they first loved us. They first loved us, you guys. And it's, and it's shown in the way that they... Um, how he laid down his life for us. Our Savior laid down his life for us. That's huge for love. Okay, so now let's go on into sin because let's be honest, none of us are perfect. <laughs> we can't be as much as we want to be. We can't be perfect. And um, even in this commandment of loving, <laughs> we're not all perfect. So first we're gonna get chastised and then bear with me because then we're gonna get taught. So start in verses one eight, um, chapter one, verse eight. If we say, that we have no sin, 
we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Have you ever sat in like a, a meeting or been taught where they've ta been talking about repentance and you thought to yourself, I don't need to repent. I don't have any sins. <laughs> Here he says that the truth is not in us. We've been deceived. So if we ever have those conversations or like you lay down and you go to kneel down at night and you're like, well, I don't really need to repent today because I'm pretty sure I didn't make any mistakes today. <laughs> Hopefully we can have really good days. I'm really hoping we can have good days, but we all make mistakes on a daily basis. There's things that we make mistakes and we could do better. Even if it's sins of omission or commission, like, did I say that right? Anyway, um, we can, there are maybe some things that we didn't do that we could have done, you know? So we need to think about our, our, um, our lives. There's always room to, to grow. There's always room to grow because we all fall short. This idea, this, um, same idea is repeated again in verses 10. We're not going to have time to read everything, but go, um, 10 kind of says the same thing, but now let's be taught. In verses 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we lay down at night, just to just sit and think about what we could have done better and just talk to our Father in heaven about it, he is there. He is faithful. I mean, this is why our Savior Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins. So we need to just be real, be honest with ourselves that we're not perfect, admit it, and be willing to um, confess it, talk about it with our Father in heaven, and then our Savior is there to, to forgive us of our sins. Now let's go to 3, 4. We're going to start with the chastisement verse. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And that's kind of our definition that he gives us. He really kind of talks a lot about sin, but here he's going to define it. It's a transgression um, of the law, okay? So then we're going to read about it um, in 5. Jump down to 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So once again, saying the same thing as before. He is there to take away our sins. He didn't sin. Jesus Christ didn't sin. He lived a perfect life. But he is there for us. He laid down his life for us um, to take away our sins. So we need to... Um, you know, go to him, use, use that atonement, Ad admit that we're not perfect and, um, repent and he will help us with our sins. Um, okay. Let's jump over into this idea of apostasy. We're not going to really read all the verses on apostasy. Um, but it is hit on a little bit in, uh, in all of it. Um, we're not going to, we're just going to jump right into Jude. Okay. We're going to start in the second half of three. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Here he's going to begin to teach them about the, the upcoming apostasy that is imminent in their future. It's definitely right around the corner. And he's going to say, earnestly contend for the faith that has been taught to you. Now he's going to give us a couple examples of this idea of apostasy. Five, he's going to talk about, let's just read verse five. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. So they went from believing and he saved them to destroying those that, that fell away. Um, second example in verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Here he's talking about the, the, um, the spirits that followed Lucifer. Once again, that, that same example, how they were once, they once had, we all had the same first estate and our second estate is here on earth, but they forfeited that when they followed Lucifer. 
Okay, so they fell away. The same idea, the falling away, okay? Third example is in Sodom of um, Gomorrah, verses 7. And he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah and at the end. Um, let's just read it. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Same thing, falling away. He's just giving us more examples of this idea of falling away. Okay. Now, he kind of continues talking a little bit more about this, but 12 was really interesting for me because he uses four different, um, I don't know what you call them, but like nature to describe this idea of kind of falling away. Okay, so let's starting in the middle of 12. Clouds, they are without water, carried about of winds. Okay, so this idea of clouds that are without water just being carried, carried away. Trees whose fruit withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So we got clouds, now trees. These trees, these they didn't per, per, um, produce fruit, and now they're plucked up. Thir verse 13, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. So now we've got waves. And the last one, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So here we have stars that are just wandering. So they're reserved the blackness of darkness. I don't know. I don't understand all of them, but I found it really interesting. Well, he starts out giving us these examples that we, you know, of, of ex things that we know from scripture. And then he moves on and talks about these elements and their experiences of falling away. Um, and then in 14, he talks about how Enoch has prophesied of these things. So let's just read it. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So here he's saying, this has been testified that we're going to have these tens of thousands. Um, the Lord cometh with tens and thousands of saints to execute judgment on these, these that have kind of fallen away. And 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. I want to stop there. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. Here he has given us so many examples of things that, like, um, Egypt was once saved and then fell away. The spirits that had the first estate but didn't get the second estate because they followed Lucifer. So here he's talking about, in my opinion, people who have known the truth. Well, it is because it's apostasy, which means they've known the truth. People who have known the truth, had the truth, and then became murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. So if you ever find yourself murmuring too much, complaining too much about the commandments, the, you know, the, um, whatever it is you're murmuring, complaining out about and walking after your own lust, leaving behind the commandments of God. That is a sure, a sure sign you're walking on the path to apostasy, not murmuring just in, okay. I want to read 16 because 16 was really interesting to me. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. Okay. I'm just going to stop there. So here he's talking about apostasy, which means that people who have once had the truth are now falling away, which goes back to our examples of um, God saving the children in Egypt and then destroying them that fell away, the 
spirits that had the first estate but didn't get the second estate because they followed Lucifer. So we've had the truce and we're falling away. And here he's explaining them as murmurers, complainers, walk, walking after their own lusts. And then he goes on a little bit further. But I just want, I just want to point out here that um, most of the time <laughs> when someone falls away from the truce, it just starts with murmuring, complaining, and following after the lusts, lusts of the world, following after their desires. They, they desire to drink or they desire whatever. So it's just, it's interesting how he points that out, that that is surely a, a sign of beginning to fall away when you just begin to, most of the time it's not cut and dry, like a strong follower, strong in the faith, loves God and all men, and then falls away. It's not usually a cut and dry. There's usually a process of this murmuring, this complaining, this desiring things that we're not supposed to have. So watch out for those. Um, and then in 18, he warns again, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. And this is the mockers. Um, those that, um, if you like the tree in Lehi and Nephi's dream. You have those partaking of the tree and then you have those on the side in the building mocking. So he's warning. So all of Jude, in my opinion, is this warning against this apostasy that's coming. Um, and just helping them to, from back from the very first verse we talked about, to earnestly contend for the faith. Stay strong with to the faith. And then I want to end with his testimony because it's so good, you guys. It's um, Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, before his testimony, that verses 20 is so good. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I love that. Looking for the mercy. Look for the mercy of our Savior Jesus Christ. 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. There's that love. Reaching out to, in compassion. And I know this is a different author. It's not John, but... They have the same, they have the same ideas because it's the same gospel. So um, looking for the mercies of Jesus Christ would be like repenting of our sins, you know, looking for his mercies and finding, keeping the faith, repenting of our sins daily. And then he talks about that compassion, reaching out in love. Um, and then, uh, and then he's going to give this beautiful testimony starting in 24 and ending in 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Who is that? Who is able to keep us from falling? That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, he can present you faultless um, to our Father in heaven with exceeding joy. He can just stand there and smile. <laughs> We're so proud of you and present you faultless if you use that atonement and if you repent. He can stand there and smile beside you, presenting you faultless. And then he goes on 25. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I have to just close with that because it's so powerful. Um, I hope you guys will visit. Well, join me again next time for Revelations. So that'll be awesome. There's so much good stuff in there. So see you guys next time. Bye.